I want to show you this, uh, this picture that I found online today. Um, do you know what those images mean? I bet you that um, there's not a single one there that, uh, that you don't recognize. Um, you've, got, uh, you've got the Nike swoosh, you've got uh, Shell Oil, Mercedes, Apple, NBC. Frankly, that one that's all the way over on the right in the middle, even a two-year-old knows who can't read. I know ours did. Uh, they would go by and, you know, we'd be driving by, eh, 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 McDonald's. Uh, that's where we want to go for dinner. Um, so we have these these pictures, these, these images that symbolize whole entire corporations, whole entire organizations, and people just, they see them and they, they know what that stands for. So if these images represent, you know, Target and the World Wildlife Federation, I can speak, I do it for a living, um, and Twitter, what, what, what image would typically be used to represent Christianity. I'd be willing to bet that most of us would think of the cross. That this is the, the, the dominant image that our culture thinks of when we think of the Christian faith, and rightfully so. It was on the cross that, that Jesus died to pay for our sins and, and to atone for all the wrongs that we'd ever done. And it's there that he won our salvation. Colossians says that Jesus bore our sins to the cross and he nailed them there, leaving them like a pub public spectacle. That's how thorough his victory over death and sin is. But this was not always the symbol for Christianity. In fact, the scandal and the embarrassment and the shame of the cross was a huge stumbling block. Someday, I will tell you the story of the oldest depiction that, that we have of Jesus. It's a piece of graffiti mocking a boy named Alexamenus mocking him because he worshipped a God who was crucified. Crucifixion was not a good selling point for founding a faith. Now, the image that, that many of those early Christians held dear at that time was this, the Good Shepherd. This image comes from sometime uh, in the late second century, according to one of the articles that I read. I suspect that this image of Jesus as the good shepherd is one that we find comforting today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures beside peaceful waters. He restores my soul and leads me in the ways of righteousness. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And as it says in the, the King James, for thou art with me. And that's what the good shepherd reminds us of. The image of Jesus as our good shepherd is the image of a God who is near it's the image of, of, of Jesus as the good shepherd. It's the image of, of familiarity. My sheep hear my voice. And the shepherd calls his sheep 
by name. Jesus knows your name. The image of Jesus as our good shepherd is an image of protection because the shepherd goes before the sheep to face the dangers first. Jesus as our good shepherd is a message of comfort and hope. And we need that these days, don't we? We need to hear the shepherd's voice saying to us, I have come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. To be reminded that Jesus has won the victory for you and that he still leads and protects you. When the early church was first gathering, they, they gathered in the, uh, the temple. And it says that they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Um, I was looking at this, and when it says that they devoted themselves to these four things, I, I think you could translate it really well saying they clung to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And, you know, when you think about those things, those are all places that they experience the voice of Jesus. Because when it says that, that they clung to the, the, the apostles' teaching, well, what were the apostles' teaching? They were teaching Jesus' teaching. They were teaching what Jesus taught them. And so they were hearing Jesus' voice through the apostles. And then the fellowship, that, that is the experience of being the body of Christ, which you know, the, the, the Lutheran confessions call this the mutual consolation of the brethren. In other words, we console one another, we encourage one another in this walk of life and faith. Or maybe another way to say that is we hear Jesus' voice as we walk together in faith. They gathered and clung to the breaking of the bread, which is talking about the Lord's Supper. The shepherd feeds us. We hear his voice. Take and eat. This is my body. Take and drink. This is my blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And here, here are those two, three-letter words that are so important in that statement that this is for you. And Jesus speaks those words directly to you, that this forgiveness is for you. And it says that they clung to the prayers. Not just kind of a general prayer, but the prayers, that they were thinking of, about the whole liturgical experience of, of prayer and, and the wide themes that, like the prayers of the church that, that uh, in a little bit we're going to do uh, at, at the altar here. The, they would gather around praying about all these different needs of the world and, and of the community. And when we think about prayer, Prayer is speaking back to God as we've been taught to speak. It's like when you're a child. How did you learn to talk? You listen to your parents. 
You listen to your, your siblings and you, you imitate it. That's prayer. We listen to Jesus speak to us and we learn to speak back to him. This is actually something that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring in the, the weeks ahead. Starting on Monday, we're going to uh, work our way through the book of Psalms in, in my morning devotions that I'm posting online. Just really looking at how does Jesus teach us to pray? How, how does he speak to us that we might speak back to him? And as I think about these four things that, that the early church clung to, fellowship, breaking of bread, the apostles' uh, teaching and prayer, it's like the fellowship has been taken from us. You know, even when we're together now, we're, we're supposed to wear masks. You know, and there, there are these, these barriers. And I get it, it's necessary for a while. You know, and thanks be to God that we have doctors and scientists that can figure this stuff out. But there's a, there's a separation there. and we, we can't enjoy being together as we once were. Uh, I was very blessed this morning uh, when I came into church. Uh, a couple of ladies were in here. And uh, I think you could probably see the back of the, uh, the, the pews uh, so you don't get the full effect. Um, but the pictures are posted on Facebook of the pews. Um, they, there's pictures of you here. Every member of the, the congregation is, is represented by a photograph. And I'm feeling a little bit emotional. I'll just be honest about that. Because <laughs> I miss you. Whew, sorry. The breaking of the bread. It's restricted for us. Thanks be to God, we figured out some ways that we can do this safely together. And, and yesterday, uh, we gathered and uh, we received the Lord's Supper together, many of us. And it was good to see you then. But it's not the same as when we would gather at the altar. It's like these things have been restricted. They've been taken away from us by this COVID-19 pandemic. But you know what we still have? And what has not and cannot be taken away from us? The apostles' teaching. The prayers. They're with us all the time. And you know, we live in a culture where we're very blessed that we have Bibles and we can open them up and, and we can read God's word anytime we want. We can hear the shepherd's voice. And if you've got an app on your phone, you can actually have it read it to you. And so it's like you're hearing the shepherd's voice speaking to you through the scripture. And then you have that opportunity as you hear that word to speak back to him. So, so what, what will you hear? when you're listening to the shepherd's voice. I think this is a pretty essential part of what, what he tells us today. As we read John chapter 10, he tells you, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and come out and find pasture. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He came to save you. He came to give you pasture, which as a human being might not sound that fantastic, but for a sheep, big old field of grass, that's about as close to heaven as you get. He's saying he's going to provide for you. And he says that he came to give you life. And not just, not just a little bit, but an abundant life. 
Listen to the shepherd's voice. Hear what he says to you about his love, his forgiveness, his sacrifice. We have it in the the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. We are blessed to lift one another with his words of comfort and grace. We rejoice to, to hear his heart tell us over and over again, this is for you. And he invites us to speak to him, even as we learn to speak from him. I, I find this, this image very comforting. Um, the mosaic, I, I think it's beautiful. And one could argue that Jesus is too clean and too Caucasian. But there's a peaceful strength in the image. And these days, I find that I need Jesus' peace and strength more and more. So maybe there is a gift for us in this this time, this time of separation and this this time of, of anxiety and fear. Maybe there, there's a gift here to help us to hear, to hear our shepherd, to hear his voice in the midst of the fear and the death and the economic ruin. A gift that stills us from the busy, busy, busy to hear the shepherd's voice calling each of you by name saying, I will tend you. I will face the thief that comes stealing, killing, and destroying. And even though it will cost me dearly, I will give you life and give it to you abundantly. In fact, by my death and resurrection, I give you eternal life and resurrection. Amen.